Oh, man. Well, welcome this morning. Uh, I wish you were here today as we're recording this. We're having way too much fun, uh, but welcome. I Our hope for you is you had an awesome Christmas. Um, if you don't know, you know me, I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is an honor to be with you today as we wrap up this year, December 31st, coming into the new year. And uh, this message today just kind of came out of something that I want to challenge you guys as you think about what you're doing in the new year. Here's the thing. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be in the Word of God because when you are in the Word of God, when you are reading, God speaks to you. And one of the cool things, this message today actually came out of a Bible study that Pastor Todd and I um, and several other people do in our church, and it is the the Robert Murray McShane reading plan. And Shamray is going to actually post a link in the notes um, in the comment section for this uh, message so you can read that plan along. But we start at January 1st and we read along. And what's cool is, this past, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Todd and I were, were in the office, and I had, I had this passage of Scripture that we've been looking at in Second Chronicles 20 just kind of jumped off to me, and I was just chewing on it and just kind of thinking about it, and, and God was just kind of speaking some stuff to me. And then we're in staff meeting, and Pastor Todd says, so I was reading in Second Chronicles 20 this week, and man, God, and so I'm just going, okay, there's something here that God's speaking to both of us, and so I think in that, also us as a church. And so this year, I want to challenge you, if you do not have a great reading plan, join with us on this Robert Murray McShane reading plan. It is an amazing plan. It takes you through uh, the New Testament twice, the Old Testament once, and Psalms and Proverbs twice in a year. And it's very, very simple. You can There's an audio version um, if you want to uh, listen along. The NIV has a great audio version. Uh, the NLT has a great audio version. Um, and the one that we typically read, I read out of is the New Living Translation. But there's some great stuff in there. You need to be in the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, you're not. It's what, that is the primary way that God speaks is through His Word. He's not going to tell you something new. and it, Well, He will, but He's not going to like tell you something that contradicts what's already in His Word. In fact, God is always, His first and primary way is through His written Word. And so you need to be in the Bible. So let's jump in today. I want to talk about what it is to face the battle, facing the battles. I don't know about you, but you know, in our life, there, we have in our in the Bigwood family, sometimes we face some battles that are pretty, sometimes impossible. You look at it and go, man, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. Um, we see it sometimes in the church side of stuff as we've been walking through uh, these last few years of, of being out of our building and, and looking to building a new place and and working within the, the just the, the grace of Hamilton, uh, where we've been at as a church meeting on Sunday mornings. And it's been really good, but it's been going, God, what this is a tough battle. And and how about like you personally? Like there's some times we look at stuff in our own life. We're like, man, these odds, they're just, they're stacked against me. How the heck do we do this? And we begin to sit there like, or even sometimes too, like it can be not even just an impossible situation. Sometimes it's an unjust situation where, hey, I've been doing everything right. And these guys come back and they just start messing with me. You know what I'm talking about? And so here's the thing. If you're ever, if you're ever in those situations facing an impossible one, an unjust one where you're just like, Lord, what the heck? You are in really good company with like pretty much the entire rest of the Bible. Also why you should be reading it. Because it is when we get into God's word that we see that God is, he's always at work and he's always been at work. And the things that we have seen him do in the past, he's wanting to do a lot of times those same things in our life and through our life. And so we're going to jump in, but here's, here's the thing. If you live in this world for any length of time, you are going to have some problems, right? We know this. We, we're, we are going to have problems. Sometimes... 
their problems of the economy, their problems with war, their problems with our job, with people, with different stuff. Sometimes they're the problems of our own making, but we're going to have problems. Jesus even promised this, which is really, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that. In John 6, 33, when he said, hey, here, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But then he says, take heart because I've overcome the world. I love that. I love that about Jesus. And so we often try um, to plan our best for every situation. We look at all these different things we're going to face. Maybe if you've got kids, it's you're looking at school stuff. Maybe it's with work. We're always going through and we're thinking through all these different situations and going, okay, how do I make sure I have all my bases covered? And I love what President Eisenhower, at the time he said it, he was probably a general, but he said the very definition of emergency is that it is unexpected. Therefore, it's not going to happen the way you were planning. <laughs> it's really encouraging, huh? We face these emergencies and we had all these great plans and all of a sudden it just all goes to pot and we're like, what in the world? Is going on. So here's the thing though, just because it's not going to happen the way we expect doesn't mean we don't have to do anything. We'll say it again, just because it's not going to happen the way you expect, just because problems are going to come that you didn't expect, just because these different situations are going to arise you didn't expect, it doesn't mean that you're just off the hook and you don't do anything. In fact, it's just the opposite. When we look through the story today, I want you to remember one thing. And by the way, you will see this, this concept throughout the entire Bible. And that is this, that the battle is the Lord's, but the preparation, that is all yours. Like the battle is the Lord's. God, this is, God's got the battle. And we see this from start to finish. But there still really is very much a very real part we have to play. And that is this, that the, that the preparation part, that is all ours. Okay? And so we're going we're gonna to jump in to see how we, how we face an unexpected battle with insurmountable odds by some unjust enemies. I love it. It's a great story. It's all full of drama. And all. Anyway, sorry. All right, so grab your Bibles. We're going to get into Second Chronicles chapter 20. By the way, if you've not had Chamoray's amazing caramel latte, it is wonderful. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. All right. Second Chronicles 20. We're going to start in verse 2. This is, we're jumping in on King Jehoshaphat. The nation of Israel has been divided into Judah and Israel. So there's two different nations now at this point. Uh, king Ahab, who is this very, 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 very wicked king, is ruling in Israel. And um, Jehoshaphat is here, and he's ruling in Judah. And so um, at one point, though, and Jehoshaphat, by the way, is, is like a descendant of King David. So King David, Solomon, it goes on down, and you get to Jehoshaphat. So when we get to Jehoshaphat, there's been a bunch of different stuff going on in his world, but there comes a point when messengers come in verse, 20, or verse 2 of chapter 20, 2 Chronicles, and say this, Hey, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Harazan Tamar, that is another name for En Gedi, and Jehoshaphat was ter- by, terrified by this news. Okay, so here's the thing. Edom, Edom, if you, had, if you go way, way back, and again, why you should read your Bible. You will hear me, like, you're going to hear that a lot this message, but I'm telling you, you need to be in the Word of God. Edom. When you go back to, you have Abraham, Abraham, his son, Isaac. Isaac was the one that Abraham went and offered to God, and God brought a lamb up and says, hey, this is your son. This is, and so it's a really cool story. Isaac has two boys, Esau and Jacob. And the Bible actually says that, that God says, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate it. There was something about Esau that was, that, that, that was opposed to who God was. And so in the end, God rejects Esau and, and embraces Jacob and said, I'm going to work through you, Jacob. And so Esau, though, Edom and, and Israel have had then this relationship. And sometimes it's been okay, sometimes it's been rough, but they're, they're descended from Isaac. <laughs> they're descended from Abraham and their neighbors. And so throughout their different, these guys have kind of worked together. Well, there came a spot when Edom's like, hey, these guys are an easy target. We're going to go after them. And so 
Edom's just right there. And so these guys sneak up and they come around with this huge army and they're coming for Israel. They're coming for their cousins. This is dirty. They're sneaking around, they're coming up. And when they get to En Gedi, by the way, from the distance from En Gedi to Jerusalem is, is, as a crow flies, less than 20 miles. Like they're close. When these guys get the news, they have snuck up, they are close and it is there. And so look at what Jehoshaphat does in verse three. Jehoshaphat is terrified by this news. When we look at our response to problems, like what we do when we face these problems, number one, when you have a big problem, you are going to be terrified. But here's what I want you to notice about this story. When you look through it and you read through it, never once does God ever, ever condemn them for the natural human reaction to this problem. Never once does God come in there and go, man, you guys are idiots. You're over here freaking out. Like he doesn't. God understands who we are. He understands our humanness. I love the fact that in Hebrews, we see that Jesus is actually there before the throne of God. And he's making intercession for us as a high priest who has walked what we've walked. The reason why Jesus is able to do that is because he has been where we have been. He understands our concerns, our fears, our worries. And so we get here and Jehoshaphat and his whole people, they are terrified. That's more than just being freaked out. These guys are terrified. God never condemns them for what was a natural human reaction to a very real problem. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes you get real down on yourself. I know I can, for being all worried about some of the different things. And, and there is the command. Jesus does say in Matthew 6 to not worry. All right. And that is us taking what these fears that we have and understanding that God is in control and I can trust him. But when we face these things, our very first reaction is almost always to, to react in terror and fear and go, man, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. So know that God doesn't condemn you for that. Second thing, Later on, verse 3, Jehoshaphat's terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Jerusalem to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. They all get together. So here's the second thing. When your response is you're terrified, you better start praying and fasting. Okay? You need to start praying and fasting. It's real simple. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but when you start facing problems, our, our first reaction sometimes is we want to go swinging. We want to like, hey, I want to get in this thing, and I want to get after it. And I like, But no, like I need to fast, I need to pray. Verse 5, Jehoshaphat, I'm just going to go, by the way, through this. I want to highlight some things as we go through the scripture. So just, if you got your Bibles, just read along. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the courtyard in the temple of the Lord. Here's the thing. When we're terrified about a situation, we should pray and fast. But man, you also need to embrace your community. Like Jehoshaphat gets the people around him. He goes, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray. We're going to seek God. When you're going through a situation... Oftentimes, as humans, our reaction is that we want to push everybody away. We want to go get down into our little corner, and we want to hunker down, and we want to hide, and we want to just grit it out. But that's not the way God wants us to do things. Like throughout Scripture, you see how many times God brings somebody else around. David, he's, he's out in the desert. He's discouraged. Jonathan comes up and encourages him. When David's out and his men, have, they've just lost their entire town, their wives and families. Like, there's a priest that's there, and he's like, hey, I need some direction from you. And David actually says he encourages himself, Lord, but all of his guys were still there, and there was a priest that's giving him direction. He rallies these guys, okay, guys, we're going to go, and we're going to do this thing. They embraced the community. Doesn't mean it's always perfect. David's guys were a mess. If you read through the story of, of David, his guys were a mess. Your community is not always going to be perfect, but you still need the community of believers that you need to get around. So we're terrified. We better start praying fast, and we embrace our community. Listen to what... Jehoshaphat prays in verse 6. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful. You are mighty. No one can stand against you. O God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? 
your people settled here, built this temple in honor of your name. And they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war and plague and famine, we can come and stand before your presence in this temple where your name is honored and we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. When we're in these things, where we're looking at something, we're terrified, we're praying, we're fasting, we're getting our community, that is when we need to remind ourselves of God's power, of God's position, and of God's past victories. Like, they're sitting there and going, hey, God, you're in heaven. Like, you've got everything. Like, there's no one that can stand against you. Like, they're looking at, okay, God, here we are on earth. Your position is, God, you're in heaven. You're above all this. Not only are you above all of it, you have all the power, you have all the strength, you have all the abilities. And God, not only that, you've done this in the past. When I'm in these situations where I'm facing something major, I've got to go back and I've got to remind myself of who God is, of what he can do and what he's already done. When you're in these moments, I want to challenge you to go back and look at what God has done. I've shared this story before, probably even here. Um, I'm sure I have, but one of, one of my favorite couples that I know that's part of our church, they have a, a thankful jar. And every year they write, as stuff happens throughout the year, they write a note and they put it in there of what God did. And at the end of the year, like today, I think they're actually doing it today. They pull that out and they just begin to read back where God met them throughout the year. I need to remind myself of where God has been, what he has done, who he is, and what he's already done in my life, all right? Verse 10, and now we see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade these nations when Israel left Egypt. And so they went, we went around them and we didn't destroy them. And now see how they reward us? For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. And we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. By the way, like this is very true. God said, hey, these are your brothers. When Israel came up out of Egypt, when they were brought out of slavery, God said, this is, this is your cousins. This is their land. I've given this to them. Amnon was actually descended from a, a, a nephew of Abraham's. And so he's, God's looking at us. He goes, hey, this is their place. I've not given you that, so I don't want you to touch them. Instead, I'm going to give you Canaan. And so that's what Israel did. And so they're sitting there going, God, this is an unjust attack. We left these guys alone. We have not, we've not taken their land. But what do they do? They come in here, and they're trying to kick us out of what you have given us. Sounds like it's still repeating today. But they're sitting there going, God, like, what's up with this? And so here's the thing. We remind ourselves of God's position and power and past victories. But then I still have to bring God. Like, God knows everything, but I still need to bring God my problems. And I need to wait on his guidance and help. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. This is a, this is a roadmap. When we're facing these things, I got I to gotta, don't worry about anything. I got to pray about everything. Tell God what I need and thank him for what he's done. This is like how I, when we're facing problems, that's what I need to do. By the way, I briefly said this before, but notice something about this story. Nobody did anything until they had fasted and prayed and sought God. Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm facing something, and I don't know if this is a guy thing or if it's maybe just a human thing, but I want to come out swinging. Like, if I got a problem, I want to go, I want to kick butt, I want to knock this thing down. You're coming at me. Okay, we're going to go after it. But that's not what happened here. These guys stopped. They're looking at a huge army and they're like going, okay, what do we do? And they stop. They fast, they pray, and they wait on God's direction. By the way, a couple times in the Bible, the Israelites didn't do this. One great story, well, it's a terrible story, but is in the book of Joshua. They just come in, they defeated Jericho. God gave them this awesome game plan. Hey, you walk around the city six times, and the seventh time you go, you walk around seven times, 13 times total. Walls collapse, you go in, you kick butt, everyone's dead, cool. 
the next city was this little town called AI, and it was little. Like, I mean, we're talking like, you know, if, if Lake Charles is Jericho, like we're talking like smaller than Vinton, you know, like it's like a, a, a it doesn't, you know, just there's nobody there. And so, sorry, if you're in front of Vinton, I'm really sorry. Um, and so they go and they attack Vinton. And um, and so they get there and they're just like, dude, that's a small little dinky town. Send a few guys, we'll go in, we'll kick butt, no problem. And so they do this. They don't stop. They don't talk to God. They don't get a game plan. They just go in and attack this little dinky town who turns around and beats their butts and kills over 30 of them. Why? It's because they didn't stop and seek God. And they had some real problems. In fact, God goes, hey, guess what? When they actually did stop and talk to God, God's like, you got some problems because you guys actually have some sin inside this camp in your lives. There's some stuff that you guys have actually done that you weren't supposed to do. And so you need to take care of this first before, because if you leave this here, you're in big trouble. You're going to keep on losing. And so we need to stop and go, okay, God, like, what is it you want me to do? Okay. You need God's battle plan. So real quick, this is where God steps in and gives him a battle plan. So we've done all these different things. We've we sought God. We freaked out. We sought God. We fasted. We prayed. We got in our community. We reminded ourselves of who God is. We brought him our stuff. And then in verse 15, Jehaziel says, he's, he's one of the, the, the Levites. He says, hey, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up uh, through the ascent of Zin at the end, Ziz, at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not even need to fight. That's pretty cool. But take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So here's what God tells him to do. He's like, hey, number one, I know you're freaked out, but I want you to stop being afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I know it's a big army. I know it's big problems. Do not be afraid. I think for us as humans, one of the reasons why we get so afraid is we forget there's so much more than just this little blip of a life on earth. I think one of the reasons why we oftentimes get so afraid is that we're so focused on on what our life is here <clears throat> that we don't understand that that there's so much more. There's a whole eternity beyond this little moment. And I need to keep my eyes and my heart focused on God and his purposes and knowing that he's at work and that regardless of what's coming, I don't have to be afraid because God is good and God is God. And so he tells him, hey, don't be afraid, guys. I got this. I got this. Focus on me. Then he says this, don't be discouraged. I love that. Don't to discourage, to, to remove or to, to, to take away courage. He's like, no, nah, man, don't get away courage. I need you to stand up in courage. I need you to know, hey, don't be afraid, first of all. But these are two different things. You can, you know, you can, there's, there's courage and, 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 and being unafraid. Those are two separate things. They're linked, but they're two separate things. And he's saying, hey, don't be discouraged. Don't be down about this. Don't be negative on your situation. Don't be sitting there and going, man, this is really, I don't like, like tanking, we don't have enough weapons. We don't have, he's like, no, 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 don't be discouraged. I want you to take up courage. I want you to rise up and know that I'm with you because, hey, guess what? And this is right where he tells them, the battle's actually mine. Preparation is yours, but the battle's mine. And then he says this, march out. I love these different things. March out. The battle may be God's, even in your own life. The battle is definitely the Lord's, but there's some times that you still have to put on your gear. You think about what it takes to march out. They have to suit up. They have to get all their armor. They have to get their swords. <clears throat> they have to get their horses. They have to get their donkeys. They have to get whatever it is they're going out to battle with, their supplies, their food. They're going out to battle. And so they still had to march out. 
when they get out there, God says, you still have to take your positions. You have to get to those places as if you're going to go into battle. And then he says, stand still and watch. And there are times when we're facing these battles that God's like, hey, just hold on. You got to get out here. You got to get in position. You got to do all these things. I want you just to stand still and watch. We want to get out there and we want to go swinging. And God's like, nope, just, just chill for just a second. Let me, let me do some work on there. And our, our impatience when it comes to waiting on God, man, we just, it's so hard sometimes for us to wait on God. But I want you to stop and think for a second of how many times have you made a mess of something because you didn't wait. We push, we push, we push, and God's like, hold up, hold up. And man, I don't know about you, but God's timing, I don't like it. <laughs> if I'm being honest, Lord, don't strike. Like, I don't like God's timing sometimes because, man, you're like, when is this going to happen? Like, I can see maybe how it's, like, Lord, when? Like, can it be now? Can it be yesterday? Can it be a year ago? But God, when is this going to happen? And God's like, just stand still and watch. You still got to march out. You still got to take your position. You still got to get all your different stuff. But he says, stand still and watch. The sixth thing is this, go out against them. And then he says this, and I thought I just was chewing on this this morning. Go out against them tomorrow. Go out against them tomorrow. Why would he say that? Why not go out now? If God's got the battle, we throw in our stuff, let's go. God says tomorrow. Here's the thing. In that tomorrow, one, it was going to be daylight versus afternoon and evening time. Easier to see, easier to walk, easier to get there. But what God's saying to them is, hey, I want you to take some time. I want you to get all your stuff in order. Like, what do you need to have to go out to battle? What are the resources you need to have? What are the, the people you need to have with you? Get your supplies. But also think about what happens in that time frame. God's saying, hey, I want you to eat, sit down and have some supper. I want you to eat some breakfast. I want you to get a good night's sleep. I want you to spend some time with your family. These are all the things that would happen in that between go out tomorrow. You're going to go out, but you're going to go out tomorrow. I need you to get your stuff ready, but I also need you to get some good rest. I need, like we start When we get into the battle as humans, we start to neglect those things. We start to neglect our family. When we're, when we're in the trenches and we're fighting, the first thing we start to neglect, we start to push off our family. And then we start to push off food or rest. We neglect these things because we're in the battle. We're in the battle. We're in the battle. And God's going, hey, stupid, battle's mine. I need you to go out. I need you to go out tomorrow. I need you to get your stuff ready. But I need you to stop. Stop. Like we want to just get out there and go. And God's like, hey, I want you to go out. But I want you to go out tomorrow. Take care of this stuff. Take care of Spend time with your family. And then you go out to battle. Verse 20. Next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Along the way, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. The next thing, when we think about God's game plan, is trust. I gotta trust. I gotta, okay, okay, Lord, this is what you've called me to do. I'm gonna trust. Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment that they begin to sing and give praise, they're still walking out there. Like God told them what to do. They're still on their way out there. They even got out there yet. At the very moment they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord causes the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turn against their allies from Mount Seir, that's the Edom, 
and they killed every one of them. And when they arrived, and after they destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. And so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, they saw dead bodies on the ground everywhere. Not a single one of the armies of the enemies had escaped. Here's the thing. We're looking at God's game plan. I got to I got to not be afraid. I got to not be discouraged. I got to march out, take my position, stand still, watch, go out tomorrow, trust. I got to praise. Here's what I love about this story. These guys, their praise and thankfulness was in response to the promise of God. God hadn't done anything yet. Their praise and thankfulness was in response to the promise of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you thanking God? Are you praising him for the things that he has not done yet? Or is all of your praise and thankfulness just for what he's done? I've got to stop and I go, God, thank you so much for what you are about to do here. Thank you for what you're going to do. God, I thank you. You are at work in my family's life. I thank you. You're at work in my kids. I think you're at work in this situation. God, you're going to do it. Am I just praising God for what he's done? Or am I praising him for what he's about to do? Because these guys, they praised the Lord on their way to the battle. And they praised their way into a miracle. They're praising their way. On the way, they're praising God on the way to the battle, and they praised on the way to a miracle. God was at work, but it was when that, when they began to praise. They hadn't even gotten to where God told them to get to yet. They hadn't gotten their positions. They hadn't got there yet. And God, when they start to praise, God begins to work and move. Verse 25. I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to the, gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, they took it. It took them three days just to collect it all. And the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing to today. It still is, by the way. You can find it on the map. At this very place, here's the thing, where the enemy expected to be a beatdown. All right? Places of valleys were great spots to have battles. You get high positions, low positions. This is the place the enemy expected to have a beatdown, but God caused it to be a place of blessing. This is what I think the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans 8, 28, where he says that we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's what Jesus is talking about. He says, hey, the, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. This is in John 10, 10. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When we are trusting God and we're following him, when we're praising him for what he's going to do, when we're marching out, we're taking our positions, God takes the very thing that the enemy wanted to use to bring destruction in your life, your past, your addictions that you fought in the past, the places that have been um, financial difficulties, all these different things of what the enemy thought he was going to absolutely destroy you. God takes those things and he turns them around and he begins to use what was going to be a place of a beatdown and make it a place of blessing for your life. Last two thoughts. Number one, sometimes you still have to fight. When you read through scripture, there are times that God invites the Israelites to get out there. Again, remember, the battle's the Lord's, but the preparation is still yours. I mean, every one of these situations, I don't know, and maybe someone can, can correct me, I don't know of any situation where God did not have them get themselves ready for the battle. Proverbs even says that the horse is made ready for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. And so there's still this preparation that God still places on us. Hey, you still have to get ready to go out and fight. And sometimes God says, hey, stop and watch what I'm going to do. But other times God says, no, you're going to join with me in this battle. Um, in 2 Samuel, you can go back and look at this, but in 2 Samuel 5, verses 17 to 25, David's just become king over a unified Israel. And so the Philistines come in, and they attack him two different times. The first time when they show up, David says, okay, God, what do I do? Can I go ahead and fight them? God's like, yeah, go ahead. And so David goes out head on, just crushes these dudes, beats them straight head on. The second time the Philistines come out, 
David goes, okay, Lord, what do I do? And God says, hey, this time I want you to circle around behind by the poplar trees. That's cool. Like there's a bunch of trees over there. And then God says this. He says, I want you to wait to attack until you hear the sound of an army marching in the top of the poplar trees. What kind of a battle plan is that? That's not how we were doing this before. But so sometimes God's going to have you join the fight. But I'm telling you, you still have to seek God for his direction. Okay, Lord, is this one of these things I'm staying and I'm sitting and I'm watching? Or is this one of those things you've got a very specific battle plan for me to do? You still have to seek God for for his wisdom and his instruction on what you're going to do. Same enemy, by the way. And this was the same location, same God, same people, David and his army, but a very, very different plan. So just because the battle you're facing is identical to the one you faced before, just because it's the same situation, it's the same people, it's the same thing, doesn't mean that God's going to have you fight that battle the same way. And so you got to stop and go, okay, God, what is up? And then the last thing is this. When you're in the battle, you need people lifting you up to the Lord. I love this story in Exodus 17. And you can find this in verses 8 through 16 of Exodus chapter 17. Joshua and the Israelite army goes out into battle against a force that had just, they had just gotten out of Egypt. And this, this army comes and begins to attack them. And so Joshua leads these guys into battle, guys who have been slaves their entire life. They have no idea how to fight. And they're out there fighting in battle. They have no idea how to do. These are slaves. And so Joshua's leading these things. And so Moses is up on this mountain. And whenever he realized, whenever he would hold up the staff, the Israelites would win the battle. Whenever his arms got tired and they fell, the Israelites began to lose the battle. And so a couple of guys get Moses and they put him on a rock and they stand up and they hold his arms up so that he could hold up the staff over the battlefield. And as they did this, Joshua and the Israelites win this battle. When you're going through the midst of it all, you need people that are around you that can lift you up to God, that can help lift you up. Like you need those people around you. You've got to have people lifting you up to the Lord. And that goes right back to when you're in the things Man, don't, don't reject the people that God's placed around you. You need to embrace that community and open up your heart and your life and say, hey, here's where I'm walking. This is what I'm walking through. Are you going to get hurt sometimes? Are people going to stab you in the back? Yeah, it's probable. Like, I wish I could tell you that, that everyone who shows up at church has got it all together and they're following the Lord, but they're not. You're going to find some people that aren't. But I will tell you this, the, the relationships that you get that are wonderful, are worth worth every single wound you've ever received. And so I want to challenge you to keep pushing into community, keep getting people around you that when you're going through those hard times, they're going to lift you up. I'm going to pray for you, but remember, the battle is the Lord, but the preparation is still yours. And so what is it when you're looking at the battles that you've got this year to face, you've got coming up, what are the things that you need to begin to put into place to have ready? Is God going to call you to fight? I don't know. He may may say, stand and watch. He may say, hey, go around behind the trees and wait to hear me walking in the top. But you still need to to get ready and to wait on his direction and to have those people around you that can support you and walk with you. So God, I just thank you so much. As we leave 2023 behind and we step into 2024, Lord, there's so much uh, in this world, in our lives, in our homes, just unknown, things that we don't have a clue about. But God, you do. You see the battles that are coming. You see the problems and the challenges. And Lord, you none of this that we are going to go through this year, the good, the challenging, Lord, none of it surprises you. And so, God, I pray just for every single person that's watching today, uh, for my family, that, God, you would help us, Lord, just to, to wait on you for your direction, to seek your face, that, God, you would put people in our life that will walk with us and support us and lift us up, our community. God, that we would, we would wait on your direction and we would act, and, God, that we would do the preparation part that you call us to do. God, I thank you that you're going to take the places where the enemy had planned for a beatdown to destroy us, to damage us, to break us, 
that God, you're going to take those places of breaking and you're going to turn them into a place of blessing. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys have a great weekend. Happy New Year. And we will see you back in 2024. I'll say something stupid like, man, it's been so long since I've seen you. It hasn't been since like last year or something. Anyway, y'all have a great one. Love you guys. Take care.